0: Hello and welcome to the Single Girl's Guide to Life, your weekly guide to single life living in your 20s, 30s and 40s. I'm Chantelle Dyson, a single life empowerment coach, helping women to navigate their single lives and to overcome loneliness through friendship, community, events and coaching. On this podcast, we discuss elements of dating, relationships, friendships, solo travel, living alone. And as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see that it is in another venue. We are in a different place this time. Maybe you've seen the slightly different ones that I do when I did it in the treehouse. I also recorded one in Bilbao, but I'm not sure that that's going to go out before this one, in fact. But whenever I travel somewhere, I think it's always fun and exciting to make sure that I put in an episode about solo travel and doing that and from different stance points Uh, and just to mix it up a little bit. But to those listening, it's the same principle. It's just a different place if you are happening to watch and you'll see the little clips appear on Instagram and TikTok anyway. I am up in Manchester for some work at the moment and I thought, yeah, why not? Let's use the time to think about what can be done for solo travel and this week we're going to be discussing trying to minimise the costs of your solo travel trip. The cost of living is rising and so trips like this are going to become less possible to do because they are a luxury. Any holiday generally is a luxury and yes luckily enough I'm up here for work so I've doubled up on my kind of enjoyment and entertainment and leisure time versus working. However, if you do happen to manage to get some money that allows you to do it, you know, maybe it's a birthday gift, maybe you've saved up and you are going to be able to do this, cutting corners on money is going to be important to some of you to make sure that you get the most bang for your buck, to be able to make the most of that money that you've saved up and to think, well, if I'd had another £100, I could have done X, Y, Z. And of course, when you sometimes cut the money, and have to limit it and budget it, you have to compromise on certain elements. That's going to happen. You could have to compromise on some little bits. But I wanted to just help with some tips and tricks that I do or I have thought about that I think could help for anyone trying to look on planning a trip away. Predominantly, we're talking about staying in the UK from the way I've written it and from the tools that I've said about using, as opposed to anything for abroad. Although I'll throw one thing in about travel when I do that. Let's delve straight into it. Okay, first things first, generally speaking, you probably decide that you want to go somewhere specific in the UK. And one of the first things you're going to do, it's one of these two, but one of the first things that you're going to do when you book your trip is to decide where you're going to stay. I get the comment a lot that people are frustrated by the single supplement that is applied to rooms. First things first, I think we need to look at that differently. If you are going into a room that is a double bed, as you can see here. That room is built for two people. And for you taking it up as a single person, you're not having half a bed anymore. You're having a whole bed. And someone could go, well, you know, they're using double the amount of the water whilst they're there. At the same time, there's going to be, for every person that is using the water, there's half. There's a person that doesn't just use it because they, they don't stay long enough to use it. They don't want to use it. But they can't get another person in your room. There is no other way to increase that capacity. So when we're staying away... There are single rooms available. Now, this is, I know, where some of the frustration comes from, is that when the single room costs the same, if not more, than the double room. And I, in preparation for this episode, did some research because I personally stayed a year ago at the Kimpton Clock Tower and stayed in a single room. And the reason I chose that was because it was cheaper. By a bit, wasn't half the amount. And I think we have to remember that you are still taking up a room. It's got to be cleaned. It's got to have all of the you know extras that they put in the room in it. All of that takes an equatable time. If if the room is pretty much the same size, it's not going to take too much longer to hoover. And the bed sheets don't take that much longer to clean when it's a double in that sense. So you're getting the service of the maid in that way, in exactly the same way. However, there are places such as that hotel that I mentioned there. And I did another check on booking.com. There are places that do this single room and they are less. And you've got to book early. I think that's a general principle everyone should be aware of is that the earlier you book things, the more choices you have and the better deals you often get. But there are places that actually have singles in their hotels. Not loads. The bigger chains from what I found don't seem to quite often when I was clicking in and looking for, you know, your big names. I couldn't see it as much on Booking.com and it brought it all together. That was my best way of doing it. And if you sort by price, chances are you're going to bring up the ones that have single rooms because they're coming up as cheaper. Put in that it's one adult and it'll bring you up those options. So just an awareness that they do exist. You just have to be early enough and be aware of the fact that they are there. There are some frustrating ones that are matched, price matched the same as a double or more, not loads more, but you know, still a couple of quid. And I was like, that makes no sense at all. So I don't know what's going on there, but The thing for you is that there are single rooms around, you can go for it. Now, the other thing that I've yet to do, but I plan to do on my trip to Milan to go to a concert, and I plan to do to Glasgow when I go to a concert, is to go into a hostel. Never done that on my own before, I've done it on school trips, but hostels are a good way to get a bed for the night. You aren't going to get the quality, simple as. You aren't going to have the luxury of all that, for example, this room has. It's not going to have that service. It's not going to necessarily have all these bits or access to a television. I haven't turned that on whilst I've been here because I'm in the city exploring. I don't use these personally because I don't drink hot drinks. When I look at the kind of basics there, those things don't fuss me so much. I think the only apprehension is the idea around bathrooms and sharing. You could look at it too. I use the showers at the gym. I suppose I don't mind that concept so much. Wear flip flops. I always do that in any shared kind of bathroom or shared shower. That to me gives me enough of a distance between anyone else not to be too fussed. Obviously, read the reviews, have a little look, see what other people have said about safety and cleanliness. But they can be a really, really cheap way. And they're not all shared dorms. If they are, they have gendered them up. So you get mixed male, female at the moment, generally speaking. Or there are sometimes in certain hostels ways to rent a room within that. And they are very basic, but they do you for what you're looking for. So if you do want that single space, and it is probably a single bed, but it's a bed all the same in a private space, that's going to be another way to save money. If you want to save even more, go into one of those shared dorms that would save you even more money. It's very standard practice for those that are travelling abroad and doing multi-city and then continue to go on to stay in hostels. Not unusual. But if you've never really stayed in one, that could be a worrying or scary thing to do because you don't know what it's going to be like. Book one in your local city for one night. So that if you don't like it, you can go home. But just go there and see what it's like. See how cheap it is. See what the experience is like. Or maybe even try one night in a dorm at least and one night on your own just to find the difference so that is where you could start in terms of saving some money on your accommodation the next big thing to save money on is your travel general principles around travel is that if you're using public transport in any way and you're not driving then you need to book as early as possible as soon as you know you're going get your travel sorted that's going to be the best point at which you can save money on things because you're buying in advance fares. The later you leave it, the more it's going to cost you. Now in my scenario, I always like to evaluate what I really need from the trip. So last year I came to Manchester for those that were around for that journey. I did a road trip of the UK, and up to Manchester, down to Dorset, back to Essex and off to Norfolk. I needed the car. It There wasn't an option there. Didn't even look into it. I, the places I was going were not easy to navigate on trains. I had to be in particular place at particular times and to me it was too fluid and I wanted to be able to have options about when I left so to me that was a no-brainer that was a car trip as much as it would have cost overall at the time though petrol wasn't as much now we've got this bit of a weighing up to do and in this instance I just came to Manchester initially I was going to drive I like a road trip and I was like oh it's not too bad I think it's around five hours the drive And then I looked at the train. I was like, why is it like three and a half, four hours, like door to door? And for two of it, I specifically get to sit on a train, like from getting on at London and getting to Manchester. That to me was a gain of time, which I value more than money at certain points. Like five hours of driving. I can't do anything else but listen to podcasts and sing along. But... A couple of hours on the train means that I can sit and edit one of these podcasts. And to me, that's really important to use that time effectively. So then it came down to price. And I was like, Oof. I would say it was around 90, maybe 100. But guess what made it 75 pounds? Most of you will know about this. And if you don't get on it, it is the rail cards. So you've got your 16 to 24 rail card. Lots of people know about that. But they also extended that to 25 to 30 or 24 to 30. I don't know what the word is. Exactly. Oh, it might be 26 to 30. I should have checked before I did this, but my phone is literally what we're recording on. I'm not going to stop. Essentially, they extended some of the third off rail ticket price with another rail card, and it saved me a third off my travel. So therefore, the ticket was probably more than that. It's so important to evaluate that. So when I did the actual calculation, £75 was still a little bit more, though, than my car journey, based on mileage, times it by... Well, technically speaking, when you claim... It's forty p a mile, I believe, off the top of my head, around that. Or some companies do that, thirty p a mile, and that's because it's not just how much the petrol costs, but the upkeep of the car, the mileage, etc., insurance. However, I then also went, but how much is it going to cost me to park? Do not forget parking when you're contemplating travel, because in a city like this, it costs probably about ten or a day. So Friday to Saturday to Sunday to Monday, thirty pounds extra on top so yes i would have had the access to my car in this place however you're walking everywhere so it's not like i need my car whilst i'm here there's no advantage to that um i had flexibility when i could have left home and got here but the fact it actually took longer and the value of the time that i could get on the train yes it's more fat to have to go into london carry a suitcase around you know you can't take as much but i don't need a lot whilst i'm here few changes of clothes there's that Now, I did look at one alternative. I was too late because these dates weren't confirmed early enough for me to see if this could have been cost effective. But there is also flights. And this can apply for international travel, European travel or just in the UK. It wasn't worth it because it was a couple hundred pounds by the time I was looking at it. However, if I look in advance at some time like October, November to do the same kind of time frame, Friday to a Monday... It, it can cost like £50 for the airport. It might even cost less if you do it more in advance. I haven't fully looked into it, but I tend to use Google Flights and I use that by putting in the dates, but not the location, so that it doesn't track what you're looking at quite. And it shows you all the different flights to those places and you would then click on it and go through there. I think it's just nice to have that option as something to look at. It depends on your proximity to... An airport, it depends on how people can get you to an airport because if you have to get yourself there, you've either got to pay for a train or you've got to pay for parking. So either way, there is an additional cost on top of it. But again, it's a little bit like the train. It's that idea of if you have an airport close by, we've got Stansted in Essex. Gatwick's a bit further, it would take someone getting me there. I could get to Stansted via the Stansted Express or by a couple of the buses that we have, in you know, a quite an easy way. If it flew there it would be a legitimate way for me to potentially get here. I didn't do it on this occasion, but I might be doing that for Glasgow. And that reminds me, I should probably look to book that ASAP. It's next year, we're well ahead of time. Let's get something booked in if those flights have been released yet to see if I can get something nice and cheap to get me there. My intention is to fly. I don't plan to train, I'm not driving. In my head, that one is plane. So we'll see how that one goes. So a few options there for travel. Now, the next two go on to what you do when you're here. And one of the necessities of when you are here is food. I personally think food is the bit that can get you the most whilst you're away. And if you have a big budget, then that's fine because you can go out to any restaurant, any place you want to go and eat. I won't lie, having been away twice within two weeks to places that I'm going to have to buy food and eat at restaurants and eat out in the evenings at... I can't tell you how much I crave just, like, a home-cooked meal and having the kitchen to be able to cook whatever I want as opposed to having to buy stuff. It's not something I should complain about because I get to do these cool things and go away. But at the same time, I, can't, I don't know how celebrities, like, do tours and don't go home because this is... And, and I know I've heard, com- like, for comedians talk about it when they've been from hotel hotel, moving around and, and not being a, at home or being in a home space. I don't know how they do that for so much longer already. I'm like, I don't like all of this food the way it is. Maybe they have people cooking beans for them at certain points, which makes me, I have no idea. But, and it, as well as it being more food that's been cooked by someone else in some sort of commercial kitchen, there is then sometimes the cost of it. And I'm like, I can't afford to keep eating out as well. You know, it is a premium when something's been made for you and prepared for you or cooked fresh and done really nicely. Don't get me wrong, the food might be gorgeous and it's it's nice to have someone prepare it for you. But the cost can add up. So I came up with a couple of little tips and things that I've tried out to do it. First thing with that, you need to maximise the breakfast if you get one in your accommodation as best you can did this in Bilbao did this here treat breakfast like a full other meal and spend 30 to 40 minutes eating this is not something quick this is your first meal of the day that might even get you through to dinner if you're clever enough or it might just delay lunch to a point that lunch kind of becomes like lunch dinner So you don't have to have three meals. In both places, it has been self-serve that I've stayed at recently. In the UK here, we're getting cooked breakfast. Whereas in Bilbao, it was more continental. There was no cooked element to it. A lot more fruit and a lot more, you know, cheese and ham, that kind of thing, which I actually personally prefer in terms of nutrition. But either way, I'm not gonna complain about either because there's so many options. With each, there were then pastries of some description or little cakes little donutty things or pancakes there. There's always fruit available. There is yogurt and there's berries available and jam as well as the cooked or that kind of continental style breakfast thing as well. And it's within these options, I think you can really maximise a breakfast. So when you first go in, get a plate and have a breakfast to begin with and then give it some time and go back and have a second different breakfast. So I feel like it's going to be stodgy to have two lots of a cooked breakfast, stodgy even to have two lots of ham and cheese and all of that. I tend to basically have two breakfasts. I usually have the main thing and then I'll have the yoghurt and the berries plus a little carbohydrate with it, whether it's a roll, pancakes, croissant, anything like that, something like that. Now, don't get me wrong, calories-wise, that's huge and your body is going to spike up to that point. At the same time, choosing, I, w- I wouldn't say have loads of pastries. <laughs> I would say where you can include fruit within that. So the yogurt fruit one is a really good breakfast to have in general. Yeah, treat that as something that's going to fill you up really well. I could sit here and talk about what I've learned from my noon dieting app as well. Like some of the things in that cooked breakfast would I'd be better off without compared to some of the other things grapes they love grapes at noon eat as many grapes as you can but it is things like that things that are going to make you fuller for longer so one of my go-tos my normal breakfast now is yogurt and fruit with some description so i'm used to now picking that up as part of it but i will bulk up on the other stuff and as ever i'll grab an apple or banana sometimes i'll eat it there and then sometimes i'll keep that as a later snack during the day but that is my breakfast that is will last me a long time. I can eat if I want at like 12 or 1. I don't need to eat at 12 or 1. So that's one of the first things I would suggest that you do, particularly if it's part of your hotel package. And the fact that a lot of them are all-you-can-eat style, keep going back up. The minute you start going out to a brunch, and there are some lovely places in Manchester for brunches, but you are looking at £9.50, £10, if not £13, for some sort of breakfast... That you're just getting one off and yes it will be filling it will make you feel full but i don't know if you can be as strategic as you can with that. can all you can eat eat as much as you need and fill yourself up whereas the value for money on that is different and again this depends if you're going away to experience the food of a place then that's not going to suit you if you're going away to explore the city in general and just need ways of saving money there's one for food another one for you is you can use this anytime by the way But you can use the app Too Good To Go. Too Good To Go work with restaurants, bakeries, coffee shops, anywhere that has food, sometimes hotels as well, that they would otherwise be chucking away at the end of the day because it's going to go out of date. And Too Good To Go pair with these companies so that you can buy those bags cheaply. And generally speaking, you get a decent haul from them. I've done it a few times now. I've done Costa Coffee, Moto Pizza in Chelmsford, which is a great one and a Greg's. I have done Greg's whilst I'm here. The bag is over there. It was 2 99 and for it I got two baguettes, two sausage rolls and a donut. I kept one of the baguettes and I gave one of the baguettes to somebody else on the streets because I figured I'm not eating two. I would have done that with the second sausage roll, I just didn't see any others on my route back so I will have that today and I had the other sausage roll on the donut myself. That is great for a lunch style meal. Now the issue you have there is that these companies do this generally at the end of their day when they're about to shut shop. Some of them have um, times where they're getting rid of like breakfast so they'll they'll have a bag at maybe 11 o'clock because it's a breakfast bag and they're not serving that stuff anymore but it's times that are a bit delayed so on that day I had to have dinner at lunch that kind of warmer meal which was a Wagamama's and then I had the sandwich for later. Now, in all honesty, based on the breakfast I had, based on the little cake I'd had when I'd met a friend, I didn't really need all that food in general, but I hadn't been feeling well. And I was like, I think I need to sit and have food. So the, the mamas was necessary at the time, as well as just sitting down and having a drink, water, dehydration. Oh, I already had the too good to go bag added. And, and you always get excess food. So if you are on your own, I would suggest thinking about where else you can give that food away to, whether it is somebody that needs that food or, you know, if you are catching up with friends then maybe mention it to them. The the bags are often a decent haul. You learn over time what you're getting. So Greg's is often fresh stuff. Costa coffee can be fresh stuff, but it can be stuff that goes into a microwave. So I've had porridge, Burritos that needed heating up. So that's slightly different. I probably would have avoided Costa Coffee whilst I was here. Not because I don't like Costa Coffee, but I haven't got those facilities. It would have been a waste. I needed someone that was getting rid of fresh stuff that I could eat straight away. When you think that a sandwich equivalent would have costed probably £3.50 minimum. And a cake would have cost £1 something, maybe £2. A sausage roll would have cost a couple of quid. I've made my money back anyway, let alone the fact I've got another baguette and another sausage roll. So... If you're gonna have a lunch and you're not fussed, these are generally chains. They do work with some local companies too. It just depends on if the local companies have said yes. Have a little browse. You have to do it in the day. You have to commit to it. You have to pick it up at a particular time. And that time might show some of them are like 11 o'clock at night. I'm not going at 11 o'clock at night to get food because I'm not eating at midnight, sorry. Some people would and that's not a problem, but I'm not, it's not for me. So I eliminate some of the options I have there. But to me it's a great way to get some food slightly cheaper. Only other thing you obviously compromise on is you don't get a choice. So I think I've for a long time I've said I'm pescatarian. I think we're going back. I think we're reverting to flexitarian because in these scenarios when I'm away, all you can eat breakfast, I will eat meat because I want to make the most of what I can get out of it. When I get a too good to go bag, I will eat the meat that they've given me. The baguette this time, luckily, was a tuna baguette. And the Costa coffee bag I got the other week was basically all vegan. It was wonderful. Vegan or vegetarian. Or there's a tuna and soup on sandwich, which for me, pesky. It was all great. So it just depends but there was a sausage roll. I'm not going to waste that. So flexiteria is probably a more aligned way of saying what I do. So that's how to save on food. You've got filling up at breakfast and using a too good to boat bag. And the last thing to save a little bit of money on is activities. When you are visiting a city, maybe there are things that you want to do whilst you're here. Some of them will cost money, but there are a lot of things that you can do that don't have to cost you a penny. If you're going to a city, chances are it has things to see, it has things to do within it. Museums might not always be free, but a number of museums in this country are free, and it can be worth having a look at those. You've got so many historical features and things to go and look at. So, for example, in Manchester, one of the things I've seen by Pure Chance is the Alan Turing Memorial, I haven't actually gone up to it and taken a picture yet but I've seen that it's in the middle of a garden and sitting there to look at it. I'm also very interested in architecture on a really basic level of just looking at beautiful buildings. I know nothing of their structure. I don't read about architecture. It's one thing that I probably know least about in my life but the thing about Bilbao and the thing about here is the beautiful building. I think they're beautiful. I I look at them and I'm just amazed at it and I've noticed around here that a lot of the brickwork is orange which I really love anyway. I just love some of the buildings that are here and if you live in a city and you overlook some of the beauty of the buildings that are around you all the time and going to a new city, one of the first things I do is kind of step out, look up and just take it all in because just it's it's so I think it's magical and kind of being in the moment of exploring can save you a lot of money because if you think you have to be doing stuff all the time, that's problematic because it means spending money quite often. So the, the only activity I've specifically spent money on and had to book was the silent disco, which I would highly recommend if you are in Manchester. Big shout out to, it was Catherine, Adam and Sophie, I believe their names were, from the Manchester silent walking tour, silent disco. It's called Silent Adventures. They were fabulous. And it was the best hour I have had for a long time. It was so good. And for £17, that was it. It was absolutely worth the £17. And, you know, sometimes you do want to spend that. You do want to do something special and that's organised and done. But I can't afford to do that for three days and do other stuff around it, including going out for food. So I've met up with a couple of people, which has meant buying a drink, being in a coffee shop. But you could have always done like, can you show me this part of Manchester? If you know people in the area, rather than meeting up to go out for a drink or lunch, say, could you show me around this place? Can you show me these areas? And it might just be that that is enough to save you money, but get to still catch up with people that you know. I would find activities that are free. I think the library here would be free. I can't imagine that it would cost money to go into the library, which is a a key point. I haven't done as much exploring as I'd really like to I still need to get here and do more. Manchester is smaller than London in the sense of you can walk left to right, up to down in the space of sort of 25, 30 minutes, it seems, with most places. But I still haven't because I've kind of been working a bit more, haven't had the chance to fully explore. And I've also just taken the advantage of slowing down. And I think that's important to remember that when you're away, it doesn't all have to be busy. It depends what kind of holiday you've booked. It's the idea that you don't necessarily need to be going out, out the whole time. You don't need to be using every single hour. I came back and had a nap today after breakfast because I was tired. I needed that to be able to now go and do my afternoon and to have all the exciting things going on that I'll do with my evening and whilst I'm here activities wise keep things simple you don't have to book lots of things you can just embrace what's around you and hey sitting in your hotel room upon an evening can be saving that you might just need that chill i did a little spa evening i guess i had to buy the products for that if i would planned ahead from home and knew i was going to do that i might have actually bought them with me but i didn't it's fine so i went out and bought some stuff but utilize the room that you've booked if you've gone for something more luxurious slightly different. If you've saved yourself costs on a hostel or shared scenario, not quite the same. But if you are in some sort of luxury thing, because this is the bit that you've spent the most money on, then make the most of it. Some of the things that you decide to do as activities can determine what kind of accommodation you need. Are you going to be out the whole time? And therefore the room does not matter. What you've got access to doesn't really matter. Whereas if you're going for almost like a spa retreat, a treat, something chill, you're just gonna wander around, have a look, mooch about, but spend a lot of time here, then maybe you do wanna spend a little bit more on where you stay. But do it early, budget, and really think about what you want and need out of your trip to be able to price it up in the right way. I hope that that's given you actually some really clear pointers on what it is to plan your trip away and to kind of find some cost-cutting ways to save money. If you do, let me know. Share with me how you've managed to save things, any bargains you've managed to get as well, because I know things like this can sometimes come up. It'll be fantastic to hear how that's gone for you. Until next time, everybody, keep celebrating single life together.